You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Fighting Twinks get one in the top of the first today, thanks to a double from uh, Eddie Rosario and a uh, single from uh, Eduardo Escobar. With stings. And that, uh, and two nights, of course, the previous night, uh, they uh, scored two in the top of the first and uh, had Jose Barrios uh, pitching, and uh, everybody was feeling pretty good. They didn't score the last eight innings on... Two Wednesday night, and they didn't score the last eight innings. Today, they lose again. But it was against that vaunted Detroit Tiger bullpen, Patrick. Mike Fulmer, I mean, Michael Fulmer's okay. Seven innings, five hits, one run. And that Boyd's okay, too. But when you get him on the ropes, you shouldn't then go the next five innings without getting a hit. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yep. You would and, think so. Uh, him and that, Jim and Az, and then uh, Green. By the way, uh, Green has 17 saves for that team. Which uh, means he's finishing every game. You know, Guardy. But here are the numbers after today's game. Brian Dozier, 230. Eddie Rosario, 310. That's good. Yeah. Eduardo Escobar, 290. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's my Logan guy. Morgan Morrison, 187. Ooh. 187 after an 04 today with two strikeouts. Max Kepler... 229. We were talking about the improved Max Kepler about three weeks ago, right? Now he should just face he, left-handed he pitching. He is terrible. Uh, 0 for 3. Uh, he had two strikeouts today. Completely screwed up. Robbie Grossman, the man who somehow is going to get 600 at-bats for this team. He's uh, at uh, 225 now. But hey, Ooh. he still gets that walk every other day. So that's good. Jake Cave, 1 for 4. Uh, 0 for 4, we got rid of him after the game. Set him out. 2-11 he's batting, although he did this time in a home run. Mitch Garver, 2 out of 2 for 3. A double and a single. He's up to 235. And then uh, uh, E, as I call him, E. Adrianza. He, hell, he's 250. <laughs> so you got to line up, ladies and gentlemen, where the... First hitter's hitting 310, the second best hitter's hitting 290, and then you go down to 250, and everyone else is hitting 235 or less. It's just ridiculous. 235 or less. It's, em- it's embarrassing is what it yes, is. It is. Yes. And the problem is you're finally getting good pitching. Your starters yes. are have been, for the most part, pretty good every time they've gone out there. And you can't uh, hit the ball against uh, Detroit. People are trying to figure out. They're, they're, uh, they they sense an auto single A. With his, I think, 203, I think I noticed today. Did he finally get up above 200? Thank goodness. 203, and uh, they send Jake Cave back. With Cave going back as a center fielder, that's got to mean they're activating Buxton. I've decided. And Joe, right? Joe, Joe obviously, is going to be there. But Buxton has been working out in Detroit, running around, blah, blah, blah. And they have decided that, I guess, rehab doesn't do him any good. Well, yeah, every time they set him on a rehab assignment, he gets hurt. And every time, every time you think he's going on a rehab assignment, somebody doesn't catch a ball in the outfield and they say, 
out of hell with it. Let's get Buxton back here and let him catch it. And if he hits 160, that's fine. So uh, that, that that would be my guess that uh, Buxton's being active. So we got 97 tomorrow. left, we figured out, right? 97 games left mm-hmm. in the season? This is, I mean, they've had some horrendous teams, that's for sure. You know, they two years ago they lost 103 and they were terrible. And, uh, and uh, you know, and of course the whole first four years of the, from 2011 to 14, it was brutal. This is one of the most boring teams they've had. Mm-hmm. Just when when nobody can get a hit, it's boring. Is okay? this is this the most inexplicable punchless? Because we've seen some bad Twins lineups over the years. Yeah. Is this probably the most inexplicable? Well, because of the t- supposed talent that's supposed yeah. to be in there, and they've had some injuries, but it's, still, yeah, yeah, it could. Oh, uh, you know, eleven was one of the biggest surprise failures ever. Sure, they, you know, they went from ninety four to sixty three, yeah, but a lot of injuries and stuff that, then. But this lineup, we we didn't think it would be inept. I, I well, let's face it, Damn, you figure okay, Logan Morrison won't hit for. In April, and then he'll be fine. And uh, he's at 187. Mm. He's he's releasable. He's releasable. Don't you think? Oh well, yeah. uh, yes. But at this point, what are your options? Well, your options are, uh, you know, Chris Carter. Call, yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh. Try him. <laughs> I mean, oh, you might as well yeah. at this point, right? He'd be a phenomenon. I don't know, but it's uh, it is uh, it is uh, absolutely horrendous they can't hit they had about when was it two weeks ago they had two straight games and everybody said okay they're ready to start hitting again look at those numbers and as i said dozier doesn't we're not giving dozier enough heat this is brutal i saw this today in uh in uh on the page two and Randball stole it from gleeman uh, for the page two and the trip today. Did you guys see this? No. Mm-mm. Brian Dozer in close and late spots. In other words, uh, I, I guess that seventh inning and later when it's a two-run run, game. Two or, or a one-run yeah. game or something, yeah. 2014, 177. 2015, 229. 2016, 177. 2017, 176. 2018, 159. He's consistent, at least. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What's wrong with him? He can't. Well, we had Buster tell us, what, last week, that uh, uh, that there are hitters, good hitters, who are really having trouble handling the velocity, the increased velocity, and the Dozier was one of them. Dozier's batting average on the fastball is way down. And I'm not here to dispute that he's 100% right. But then when you look at him, the pitchers he faced in this series alone, I don't think any of them would be considered high-velocity well, pitchers. Is, Fulmer is. He throws hard. Okay, but uh, Boyd, Boyd is more of a trick trickeration. But he, he's got, a, I mean, a good fastball, but not 96. And I can't even remember who pitched Tuesday. Do you know? Uh, it was the, the young kid. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Well, plus it gets the bullpen now that Jimenez throws hard. And then you look at, they have three games against Cleveland, who is, this is the only hope they have, and they're not going to make the postseason, but that's the only hope they have is to win the division. If they go in there and puke on themselves two out of three games or get swept, okay, now you have 90 games left. 
I mean, this is this is getting turning south real quick. With Dozier, do well, you I'd... think? And this is not to defend him at all. I mean, he's been terrible, but do you think the lack of heat on him is because there's so people much are, well people are anticipating because he's had a history of like having really good yes. halves that people are anticipating that like yeah. after the all-star break he's going to catch fire or something but so they're usually, like oh those are usually the slow starts are five six weeks not not this not yeah. well over a third of the season anyway yeah uh the dog days are not being helped by the dogs let's put it that way <laughs> the uh, minnesota dogs we'll be back Jimmy Otter, VikingUpdate.com. Well, uh, it's only uh, five weeks until you're not going to Mankato. Are you sad, sir? You know, it's a little of both. Yes. Um, I always enjoyed the the nighttime, uh, having a few beers there, but uh, it's nice to come home and sleep in your own bed, too, at times. So, yeah, a little of both. How many years were you down there? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, I started uh, mid-90s, so yeah. 20, you know, a little over 20 years. I bet it would uh, last me a while. That's a little sad for the folks down there, I would think, huh? Not having Man, a thing. They kind of look forward to, the, you know, the people coming to town. And Yeah, and I think some of the fans like the, uh, you know, the smaller town experience, especially yes. those coming from out state that, that don't want to deal with the traffic in the Twin Cities. And, you know, the businesses are really going to take a hit. I would imagine it's probably over a million dollar hit to them to not have you know all the fans there and they have that rib fest that's usually yeah. toward the end of training camp and so yeah i think it's gonna gonna hurt them a bit though jake stadium pizza might be a little less empty a little less full than it was uh, during the uh vikings training camp that's for sure yeah jake stadium uh johnny b's boomtown <laughs> all you know tab on the ave all of those places are going to be hurting a little bit what uh, what have you learned in OTAs and minicamp? Uh, what what are, what are we happy about? What are we not sure sure, sure about? Um, well, uh, you know, I think the the Kirk Cousins addition is going to be good for them. Although he struggled at times in the last day or two, but um, you know, the ability to to stand in the pocket and throw the ball around, but also be able to to scramble when needed. I think that's going to help them a lot. Um, the receivers have looked really good so far. You know, Thielen Diggs, obviously. Rudolph's looked really good. And then, uh, you know, we I think we talked about it a little last year around this time that Laquan Treadwell looked better. I would say he's continuing to look better. I think he looks like he's um, just more sure of himself, not uh, not getting down on himself quite as much. And it looks like Cousins is looking to him more than they have in the past. So that could be a good sign for the offense. Is he, uh, so when he's in there, is, is Thielen, who's in the slot then? Yeah, you know, Thielen's in the slot a lot then. Um, you know, my expectation was that with Kendall Wright, they would end up putting him in the slot and being the number three receiver. But I think so far to this point, Treadwell's kind of earned the right to, to be out there as the number three guy, and then Thielen in the slot. Diggs can go in the slot as well. So that you know, they also like to have the, the option to move guys around and keep defenses guessing, and I think we're going to see you know, more and more of that. Schirmer did a good job of it, I thought, but I, I think DiFilippo's going to do a good job of uh, throwing overloads on one side of the formation, shifting and movements and all that sort of thing to 
you know, not only keep the defenses guessing, but also to to give Cousins the ability to to try to figure out what kind of defense they're running against them. Didn't Philadelphia just send guys all over the place? I mean, that's it's kind of you, you didn't know for sure who was going to be where, right? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, from a from an offensive standpoint, Vikings to me the the biggest question still is offensive line. I. Yes. You know, last year they went all through preseason with all these different combinations on the offensive line and then came up with something different uh, for the regular season opener. And it wouldn't surprise me to see more of the same this year. I think the the key is going to be once they get Pat Elfline back at center, at least it's my assumption that he'll be the center, and Nick Easton out at guard, you know, what are they doing over on the right side? So far, it's been mostly Mike Remmers at guard or Rashad Hill out at right tackle. But, uh, you know, if Elfline comes back and then they have the, the option to move Remmers back at uh, back to tackle, who's going to be the, the guard? So Do you, that's uh, be figured out. So you don't game. think that, even though that's kind of been a big story, that Remmers is a guard, playing guard and Remmers says guard's fine, you don't see any certainty that that's the way they're going for sure? No, I mean, once they get Alfline back, that's yeah. another interior offensive lineman. And then, you know, do you have uh, Easton, I would assume, will, will play one of the, the two guard spots, most likely left guard. And then, you know, you're going to have Danny Isadora, Tom Compton, guys like that uh, competing at right guard as well. You know, it, it, to me, it all depends on how well Rashad Hill plays out at right tackle. You know, if he's yes. uh, a little more consistent than he was last year, he can earn that spot, and then Remmers probably stays at guard. So, uh, Isadora, I've, I've heard various things. Some some guy, some guy told me that who watched a lot of tape doesn't think uh, he didn't play hardly at all, but uh, uh, doesn't think much of him. I guess watching him in practice, but the, then I've also heard the Vikings kind of like him. Well, I think he's he's still learning. Uh, I don't. I think he's going to need more experience to really be a threat there. Um, you know, my guess is that if they're looking for a guard, it probably ends up being Tom Compton. Um, you know, I, I just think Isadora is a little bit raw yet and maybe unsure of himself. So I think the more he figures it out, the better he'll be. Um, for me, one of the questions will be if they're going to get their guards out in space on yeah. screens and things like that, um, you know, is 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 Adora? Does he have good enough feet to get out there quickly enough? Does Remmers? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> he's probably in the same category a bit. And if that's the case, then maybe they look to to switch it out and have Elfline and Easton get out and yeah. and keep the guard in. Yeah. So you know, they they have options, and so they'll, they'll have to figure all that stuff out training camp and preseason. So uh, they they got Kyle Rudolph as a tight end. Of course, uh, they 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 probably like that Zach Ertz hybrid tight end wide receiver. Do they have anybody uh, with that kind of potential? Not not of that talent, but anybody with those kind of skills. Yeah, well, the one thing we haven't seen a lot of is Tyler Conklin yeah. in these mini camps, the guy that they drafted. I think you know eventually they hope he can develop into that guy, but he's been a bit dinged up here, and so. I think these five weeks off before training camp should help him. Uh, you know, he's been around, he's been paying attention to what's going on, but he just hasn't been out there used a ton, especially with the first team offense. So 
at this point, it's looking like, you know, behind Rudolph, it's mainly going to be David Morgan and maybe a little bit of Blake Bell. But, uh, you know, my thinking is you're probably cutting down to, to three tight ends, and that could leave Bell out of the equation if they like what they see out of Conklin. Hey, uh, with Sandeo Hurt, uh, they kind of, I wonder if they're second guessing themselves. I mean, he, I, I assume he's coming back, but, uh, you only have Harrison Curse, uh, back there now. I wonder if they're second guessing themselves at all. Well, they put Terrence Williams back there in practice, I guess, but I wonder if they're second guessing themselves for, uh, not really doing something with that part of the secondary. Yeah. I mean, well, number one, you know, Sandeo's still under contract for a decent amount of money. So I don't think they were ever planning to move him out of the, the starting spot. Um, Curse has, has had some good days uh, in minicamp. Anthony Harris has been there as well. But, uh, you know, I find it really interesting with Terrence Newman at safety because they, you know, you've just got that, that wily vet who, who can really play well in, in past coverage. And I think it kind of plays to his strengths. Um, but you know, the assumption certainly is that Sunday was going to be back at the start of training camp and all those sort of questions will be answered yeah. at that point. Terrence Newman, uh, would certainly can fill in, but I don't know, even if a miracle man like him could play regularly back there at, uh, you know, to be out there for 80% of the plays would, uh, kind of be a surprise to say the least. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember last year during mini camp and OTAs, Zimmer went off on on the uh, cornerbacks because they had Newman out there, and you know, he was trying to keep him fresh and rested. And you know that that was a year ago at thirty nine years old. Now forty years old, it's going to be more of the same. So yeah, I don't I don't expect that Newman's going to be a full time guy at all. And you know, frankly, their depth at cornerback is really impressive. So I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to need to use him more than 50% of the play. Uh, what's your uh, McKenzie Alexander update? What's, is he on the way here, or is he going to be mediocre? What do we got going here? I'll tell you what. He better pay attention to Mike Hughes because oh, really? I think I think Hughes has got a great shot to, to earn that nickel cornerback spot. They've been working him there quite a bit. They told him, I just talked to Hughes after practice today, and they told him, you know, these next five weeks, you concentrate, study that nickel spot. So when they come into training camp, I think that's going to be one of the big battles to watch. And I, I really like what I've seen out of Hughes. He had an interception today. He's been all over the place batting down passes. So if he, if he feels comfortable enough and sure enough of himself with this defense, uh, I think he's got a great shot to – to take over that spot from Mackenzie Alexander, uh, and, and he's he is the athlete they uh, claim he is. He was, huh? Oh, he can. Uh, yeah, he he's very quick. He's got speed. You know, the only thing that he really doesn't have is height. I think he's five ten, five eleven, and you know they'd like a couple more inches on him. But he's a jumper. He's a return guy. He's kind of a uh, a do it all, and he'd be. He'd be good outside, um, especially if he had a couple more inches. But he'll he'll probably get some work outside as well as he has through OTAs and minicamp. Hey, uh, Timmy Otter's with us. Viking Update. You can follow his Viking coverage at VikingUpdate.com. Uh, one last thing. Trey Wings, have they paid him yet, or they got another year before they have to pay him? Yeah, they got another year before they, they have to figure that one out. So are they uh, uh, Are they fully on board with him? You know, I, I think so. Um, 
I think some of it's going to have to do with uh, how Hughes develops. Um, but, you know, Wayne's offers more height out there for one thing. So if they can keep Wayne's with an extension after next year, then uh, I think they would they would prefer to do that and have you know a really solid starting three with uh, with Rhodes, Wayne's, and, and Hughes. Uh, Alexander is going to be really interesting to see what they do after he gets to the end of his rookie contract in a couple of years. So um, you know, Zimmer's Zimmer loves his cornerbacks and he continues to, to draft them. I mean. You, you look at their their top five cornerbacks. There, you know, four of them are first round picks, and then there's Mackenzie Alexander as a as a second round pick. So uh, they've they've invested an awful lot in that position, and uh, they better perform up to that level. Hey uh, Tim, I uh, have a couple of weeks off here, man. Yeah, I think I will. We're gonna we're gonna head out west for a while and take in some national parks. All have right, a good time. Okay, sir. Hey, thanks, Tim. Thanks for your time. All right, thanks, Patrick. All right, uh, Tim Yotter, uh, VikingUpdate.com. It does a good job. Very good analyst uh, as far as what he sees out there with the Vikings. We'll be back. Hey, uh, back to something we are talking about on the sports show that uh, 30 years ago today, Jack Ferreira replaced Louie Nanny as the general manager. Mm-hmm. Loyal listener Lou... Uh, reports that uh, Nanny became the president on February 10th and uh, announced at that time he was giving up the GM job at the end of the season. Ah. And uh, therefore, if I made it sound like Lou got, uh, whoever, uh, Lou Nanny got fired, uh, he was the team president, so he would have had to fire himself. So Jack Ferreira came in and. Uh, and lo- that was from loyal listener Lou there. So, okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Just some guy named Lou. I don't know. Sure, some guy named Lou. All right, here's Johnny. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by Count Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salaried professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. Twins lose to Detroit today. After the game, they optioned Jake Cave back to Rochester and Miguel Sano to AAA Fort Myers. Why send Sano all the way to Fort Myers? Here's what uh, manager Paul Molitor had to say when asked that question. With stings. That's all I got to say. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Just overall picture of all the things that he needs to... uh, to do to be the guy that we think he can be. It's he's he's an important part of what we feel uh, we will be eventually. He's not there right now, and you know we have to take a step backwards here, and then we'll have to determine the steps moving forward. But I, we like our facility, we like our coaches, we like a lot of things about there that we can t- control a little bit more. The Twins moving on to Cleveland. I wonder if he'll. I wonder if he's agreed to stay in the dormitory <laughs> down there. So, you know, yeah, that where they can say control a little bit more. I wonder if uh, I wonder if that's what he's saying. Control what he eats, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but they do have and delivery. Domino's do does have... deliver. <laughs> Twins moving on to Cleveland. They'll open up a three game series there tomorrow. They will make corresponding roster moves before the game. And uh, Paul actually uh, mentioning Joe Mauer's return as one of those uh, today when he talked with reporters. In so, fact, mm-hmm. uh, the hotel that the bride and I stayed at, you could get uh, seafood delivered. I did not know that. Wow. We almost mm-hmm. took advantage of that one. Yes, right. 
Twins also announcing that infielder Gregorio Petit has cleared waivers and has accepted his uh, outright assignment to AAA Rochester. I remember he was designated mm-hmm. for assignment earlier this week when they signed Matt Belisle. A uh, wonderful guy. Nice guy with three little kids running around like maniacs <laughs> like, in the clubhouse. Vikings wrapping up minicamp today. They shortened practice by about a half hour. Oh, they... man, we must have been going good. No. Is it a bad sign that the Patriots shorten it by two uh, two days? Oh. <laughs> we, they, we'd shorten it because we stunk? They shortened it because they had an alumni barbecue oh, okay. set to go. In All fact, right. apparently there were alumni there watching the uh, mm-hmm. everything today, what was going on. Uh, Coach Mike Zimmer told reporters uh, afterward, of course, that things went very well. Mm-hmm. He's happy with the progress of the team so far. Training mm-hmm. camp starts late July for the team. At the U.S. Open, Russell Henley at two under through 15. Guitarist Russell Henley. Guitarist Russell Henley. He's also tied with uh, Dustin Johnson, who's at two under through 12. Uh, three players at one under, two of them done for the day. Scott Piercy and Ian Poulter, they're both uh, in the clubhouse. Jason Duffner's through 11. He's one under. Uh, Tiger Woods, I think he's losing strokes as I'm actually uh, watching. Yeah, he, he double bogeyed there on uh, 13. He he's at six over now. Six Ooh, over. Tiger? Tiger, Doubled. Yeah. When oh, you turned, by three putted from six he, feet. He had the one that you saw yeah. he missed, and then when you turned around, he missed the other two and a half foot putt, and then he finally put it in for double bogey. Yeah, are we going to get bad. the? Oh, my back! Mm, no, I don't know. We're going to get the uh, the yacht leaving on Saturday, ah. probably or Friday <laughs> night. Maybe the yacht will start its southward journey. <laughs> so Tiger, that's what we'd all probably over. do too, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, many Capitals players have said they will attend the traditional White House visit if they're invited after winning the Stanley Cup. Why wouldn't they? They're Russians, for goodness sake. Uh, they well, love this guy. Uh, right-winger Devontae Smith-Pelly uh, says he won't. He, re- he reiterates he will not go mm-hmm. to the White House. T.J. Oshie told the Post that while he understands the different stances, he thinks it's an amazing tradition. He added it's something people have been doing for a long time with so many different presidents that I think it would be cool for us to go there. Any excuse to have the cup with you, I think. What about Ovi? Ovi gone? Ovi Ovi said he told the Post he was looking forward to it and, quote, it will be fun. (laughs) You know, I ran across, I was telling Manny this, I ran across a Conor McGregor story today. Yeah. (laughs) I want Conor McGregor and Ovi partying together That's oh my I god <laughs> you could clean out a few bars the world would come to a standstill <laughs> clean out a couple of bars how ah. much pre-gaming do you think ovi's gonna do before he goes to the white house you think he's just gonna <laughs> fall down yeah. Yeah. he'll try to get the donald to do a keg stand yeah. that'll be good <laughs> it'll be great uh, all but, right johnny you better go okay Webster, uh, little Webster High School over uh, right across the border here in Wisconsin, won the Wisconsin Division Three championship today. Okay, defeated uh, St. Mary's of, of some uh, a private school, uh, uh, eight to two. They defeated uh, St. Mary Catholic, eight to two. Coach of the uh, Webster team, Jared Washburn. Really? Jared Washburn's back living in his home area. He's okay. from up there, yep, and yep. he uh, became the coach of the uh, Webster oh, baseball that's cool. team. And uh, they won the state title today. And a uh, beauty. He is a beauty. Because I remember you raving Character. about him oh, before. Him. Yeah, He's one of the goofiest. I, I told you guys I was down in the, uh, in the Angels Clubhouse one day and in, in Arizona, and... Uh, 
doing some spring training stuff. Sure. And Washburn was in there drinking a cup of coffee, and I sat and BSed with him for like 15 minutes. He was great, entertaining the whole room. And then Erstad sitting next to him, <laughs> sitting there looking sullen as he always does. And I said, you don't quite get into this banter, do you? And he says, nope. He says, I'm... I'm kind of a grumpy guy. He said, uh, <laughs> said, I wake up in the morning and I never know what kind of mood I'm going to be in, but it's usually bad. <laughs> and, and Washburn's walking around. Both those guys said, ended up being coaches. Yes, yeah. One's coaching Nebraska. And hell, if, if Wisconsin ever revitalizes a oh, baseball sure. program, if we get rid of that jackass Barry Alvarez who killed baseball, uh, and uh, we, we Washburn can, would be their guy. Washburn could be their guy, Jared Washburn. Now remind me, did he go straight from high school, or did he play college ball somewhere? Because I can't remember off the top he of my head. Play college ball, but I don't know. Okay. I can't remember where. Good lefty man had good stuff. Yeah, he had good stuff. And didn't he have a no no? Thought he had a no no. I can't remember. I'm gonna look that up. No no, maybe one here. Uh my old. Uh, uh, well, we'll find out. We'll find out right now with Jared Washburn. If he, uh, if he had a no-no. He's from... Man, he played 12 seasons. Holy yeah, cow. It, what do they list yeah. his hometown? Danville? Uh, his hometown is... Danbury? Well, it says Webster High Webster, School. Okay, Webster High School. Danbury is the little town next door. Okay. A friend of mine owned a bar up there once in Danbury, and the, the Prior Lake youth, the hard-drinking Prior Lake youth, <laughs> go, used to go up to Danbury, and you may never see him again for about four days. God, I forgot about this. In 02, the year that they, they won the World Series, he finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. Oh, man. Holy yeah. cow. He was good at uh, another uh, note, Don Banks, uh, used to work with him at the Star Tribune. Good guy, slowest writer in the history of Americana. <laughs> don't ever go to him. Don't ever get a ride with him to a Viking game on the road. You'll be there two hours longer than you want to be. That's my advice. <laughs> but uh, did I tell you that story? Mm-mm. First game with Banks, first year. I'm in, I'm in Atlanta with him for the opener. And uh, I think the Vikings beat them down there. This is 15 years ago. And I wrote a kind of a notebook. I wrote my column. I wrote a little sidebar. And Don's over there cranking away, man. And I said, how long? He says, I'm just starting my gamer. And this is like two and a half hours after the game's over. I called Barrero, (laughs) who was sitting on on the press box phone. I called him and I said, hey, Barrero. If you ever go to a game with this guy, so he can hear it, I said, don't go one, get your own car. Right. You could be here for days, days. He's the slowest I've ever been around. And he's looking at me, and I said, that's okay. Just keep Just cranking. Keep, keep Just cranking. keep cranking here. We got so things to do. By the way, quickly on Washburn. Yeah. It looks like he was drafted right out of high school. Okay. 95, he was a second-round pick by the Angels at wow. 95 out of high that's school. That's pretty good. And he was in the bigs in 98, so I'm guessing he, he he did not. And according to his baseball reference page, I'm not seeing any college uh, okay. attributed to him. Uh, Don Banks, anyway. He's this. He wrote this for Patriots.com. He's also uh, writing for The Athletic and, and stuff like that. The best record, uh, the records in this decade, in the first eight years of this decade in the NFL. Okay. The re- regular season records. New England, 102 and 26. Pittsburgh, 85 and 43. Green Bay, 83, 44 and 1. Okay. Uh, Seattle, 79, 48 and 1. Denver, 76 and 52. 
Atlanta, 75 and 53. Pretty good. Uh, Baltimore, 74 and 54. They're still 20 games over. Hmm. New Orleans, 74 and 54. This is in this decade. So 2010 through 2017. Kansas City, 72 and 56. Hmm. This is uh, surprising. Cincinnati, 69, 57, and 2. Well, yeah, because Marvin years. would get him to the playoffs right. and they'd lose. Yeah. Yeah. Philadelphia, 69, 59. Dallas, 68, to 30, 68 and 30. Arizona, 67, 60, and 1. Carolina, 66, 61, and 1. Indianapolis, 65, and 63. And those are the only teams over 500. Both the Vikings and San Francisco... Are 63, 64, and 1 wow. in this decade. And go 60. back to the indie record, too, by the way. And that's with their last, what, two seasons being horrendous mm-hmm. yeah. because what of luck. What surprises me is Detroit 63 and 65. So none of their their hor- most horrible years have not been in this decade, right? Well, no, because they had the 0 and 16. When was but that? Not in this decade. That was in 2000. Oh, was it that long ago? They got Stafford. Okay. But okay. Uh, the reason I bring this up more than anything is. The Washington Redskins, by the way, 26th out of uh, 32, 20, 52, 75, and 1. No matter, uh, no wonder Kirk Cousins wanted to get the hell out of there. For giggles, what's the Browns record? That's what we're oh, to. here we go, baby. That's what we're getting to. Uh, 30th, Tampa Bay. Yeah, 47 oh, and 81. Yeah, they've had Not a couple good. of number ones. 367. 31. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, yeah, forty and eighty-eight. Wow, three thirteen. And weren't they thirteen? Jacksonville, and three last year? yeah, thirteen and three wow. this Jacks- year. Jacksonville, so, weren't yeah. they? they 13 were, no, they're like, well, like twelve. And six. And, well, no, weren't they really? They were ten oh. and six. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, forty and eighty-eight. So that's thirty-first. That's pathetic, right? The Brownies, thir- twenty-nine and ninety-nine. Holy, oh, twenty-nine God. and ninety-nine. Well, in football. In football, <laughs> in eight years, there's 70 games under 500. That is, that's that is hard work. very difficult to do. Well, when you very go 1 and 15 one year and 0 and 16 the next year. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the summary on the Brownies the numbers are historic and mind blowing. The 0 16 record of 2017, the 1 and 31 mark of 2016. Yeah. 30 games under 500 in two years. Cleveland has won four of its past 53 games. <laughs> the Browns have finished in the last place in the AFC North for seven years running, uh, and they were 5 and 11 in 2010. Uh, five coaches in the decade, Mangini, Shermer, Chudzinski, Pat- Patton, and Hugh Jackson. So, uh, anyway, congratulations, and Brownies. Here you, You're dominating. And here you go, Patrick. St. Peter is asking you. I'll give you one more year. He said, you better make me a Cleveland sports writer. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. I want to be a... I want to be uh, have a little apartment next to the Browns complex so we can ridicule them every day. All right, we'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. On this day in history, June 14th, 1974, 27-year-old Nolan Ryan started a game in Anaheim uh, for the Angels against Louis Tiat. 
Uh, the game uh, lasted, by the way, the game was uh, took 13 innings. Uh, no, uh, 15 innings, excuse me. Took 15 innings, 402. 402. <laughs> 15 innings, 402. 4-1 2018 playoff game. <laughs> uh, that Wimp Nolan never even finished the game. He pitched 13 innings through 235 pitches. Oh my God. 235 pitches. He was 27 then, and uh, that was a uh, that was a rather noble effort on his part. Louis Tiant uh, actually lasted longer. Louis Tiant went to the went to the 15th. He'd only thrown 191 or something like that. He went to the bottom of the 15th, gave up the winning run, four to three, Angels. Uh, win, but Nolan threw 235 pitches. He didn't get the win. The win went to who the heck is this reliever? Uh, Barry Raziano. I don't even remember who him. he played for. Two scoreless innings. I never. I can't remember Barry Raziano. Is it Raziano? Hmm. This type is so small. I can't even read it with my reading. And let me life. guess. Nolan was not a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, no, he wasn't. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, after that. He did such damage to his arm that year because he pitched 332 and two thirds sure, innings. Right, yeah, that uh, let's see, he only pitched 19 more seasons <laughs> after that one. <laughs> he only pitched 19 more seasons. He was a freak. There's no oh doubt about God. it. 19 more seasons and what about the five next more no hitters? He only made 28 starts. That wasn't a strike. You year, guys, he had an ERA of 3.72 as a 45 year old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite moment is when he knocked down Winnie and Ricky. He started for Houston. He knocked down both Winnie and Ricky Henderson in the first inning because they hot dogged it on home runs seven years or eight years earlier when he pitched in the American <laughs> League. He was still mad at him. Give him a bow tie. You will try.